This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, we are going to talk about crime exploding across this country and some new staggering numbers that I think are of grave concern. Things are so bad that Jen Psaki, the former White House press secretary, remember circle back Psaki, uh, under Joe Biden, over the weekend on Meet the Press said, you know what, if it's a referendum on Joe Biden... The Democrats will lose in November in the midterms. And she also said that crime is a huge issue and a huge vulnerability for Democrats. That is a stunning admission from the former White House press secretary for Joe Biden. That's something you would expect, obviously, other people with rational common sense to say. But here she is basically saying that the Democrats are definitely on the hot seat about crime, and it's definitely an area of concern. And it's interesting because it's a very different message that we're getting from the current White House press secretary. She's like when she's asked, you know, from Peter Ducey, the Fox correspondent there at the White House, it's like, what crime? What are you talking about? I'm not really sure what you mean. And yet, circle back Saki, because now she is with NBC She's coming right out and saying, you know what, this is an enormous issue. It's a big issue. And Democrats look out because if you don't acknowledge what we all see with our own two eyes, you're going to have trouble in November. It's a little too late, though, because, you know, Democrats are trying to come out and essentially say, you know what, it's not us who we're talking about defunding the police. It's the Republicans. And I'm thinking, what kind of hallucinogenics are they on? There is nobody in America who would really believe that it's the Republicans who've been pushing for defund the police. That is not the case. And yet that seems to be the sentiment of this White House. They're trying to make us think that they've been the party of law and order. Because guess what? They're seeing what we're all seeing. Crime is so bad. It's a huge issue in the polls. Everybody's basically talking about whether it's the economy and inflation. And almost right after that, pretty much is crime. And in some polls, it's number one. Because guess what? If you don't feel safe, if you don't feel secure, well, then guess what? It doesn't matter. None of this other stuff matters. And the woke stuff, the green energy stuff, none of that stuff matters. If you don't feel safe and if you don't have money in your pocketbooks enough to be able to feed your family, that's the priorities in the election. And that's the priorities in America And yet, if you listen to the Democrats, 99% of the time they're talking about electric cars or they're talking about this, they're talking about that. Clearly, they want us to not realize how bad crime is because it will definitely hurt them come the midterms. And even Circle Back Saki acknowledges that. And that's what was so stunning because 
She's actually a pretty good PR person. I'll give her credit. When she was at the White House, I thought she was an effective White House press secretary. I didn't necessarily agree with what she was saying, but I will at least give her points for being effective and being able to translate a message and being able to, like, say something tied to the message, you know, even if it's not the right answer. She at least was effective in that regard. So tonight, I want to hear your thoughts on where you see crime headed in this country. Who do you blame? And also, how big of a concern is it for you? And how offensive is it to you, like it is to me, that the Democrats want us all to think now that they're the party of law and order. They're the ones who are supporting police. It's like, to me, it is just so disingenuous with the midterms right around the corner that suddenly they're like, oh, gosh, you know, we're for supporting law and order. We're for supporting new law enforcement officers across this country. And it's the Republicans who are shooting it down who are not supporting us. Is there anybody out there that actually believe that bunch of hogwash? Because that is far from the truth. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And just to give you a sense of how bad things are across the country. For example, this is stunning. Uh, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which is not exactly a political organization, put out a staggering study today. And this really blew my mind uh, when this came out. Basically, that small businesses are seeing an increase in theft this year. 56% say that they have been a victim of shoplifting. 56%. That is more than half of the small businesses in this country are telling the Chamber of Commerce, again, an apolitical group, that they have been victims of theft and that the theft has become more and more violent because criminals are becoming more and more emboldened. They're also saying that what is happening is it's not just the fact that it's happening to their businesses. They're passing on the cost to consumers at a time where the economy is skyrocketing, as we all know, and inflation is skyrocketing. And as we're looking at it right now, they're saying that 46% of them say that they had to increase prices because of theft. Because guess what happened? They had to order extra security guards. They had to do extra techniques. They had to buy extra equipment, extra surveillance cameras, things like that. They had to maybe shorten their hours where they could sell products. They had to do a lot of things to try to accommodate this massive rash of crime that's happening across this country. And guess what? They also blame the policies that are allowing these repeat offenders to constantly get out. And to me, it's that revolving door that we're seeing over and over again that is contributing to this crisis. Because guess what? People who are breaking in, they don't get any penalty. They know in certain states that if they, like, rip off less than a 1000 bucks, that they basically get a slap on the wrist. They don't even get a, you know, a massive charge. They get basically, you know, hey, come back to court whenever, no big deal. So it's that revolving door that's happening over and over again. So what do you contribute to the increase in crime that's costing all of us? And how are you going to run a small business these days if you have to worry about shoplifting and crime and robbery? I mean, it is unbelievable. Crime is so pervasive that I want to share this story that happened in New York City. This happened last week, and this happened during the U.N. General Assembly, guys, too. Here it is. It's in the morning hours on September 20th, and a 33-year-old woman ignores a homeless guy on a subway. And 
after ignoring him on the train, she gets off, right, on the subway. She gets off into a subway station in Queens, and suddenly the guy attacks her, starts engaging her. She didn't even have any engagement with him. He was just trying to talk to her on the train. She just kind of ignored him. And the video is unbelievable. You just have to see it. It is stunning. And basically, it's this 41-year-old guy, Wahid Foster, who then chases the woman off the train, attacks her near the subway entrance. And the shocking footage that you see shows him throwing the woman into the wall before repeatedly punching and kicking her on the ground. And at one point, there's a strap hanger, somebody who tries to help her, but the guy chases him away. The guy should have come back or gotten somebody else to help, too. I mean, that's a whole other issue, too. Um, but yet, when you look at the track record of this guy, he had seven prior arrests, including bus for assaulting another woman with a screwdriver, criminal mischief, robbery, larceny. The list goes on and on. And so what happens before, you know, he goes before a judge on this recent case where you see it looks like he's like beating the heck out of this woman who's just some innocent bystander who is ignoring a homeless guy who was bothering her on the subway. And the judge order, orders this guy held without bail during his arraignment. What is going on with these New York judges and what's going on with these judges across the country? These soft on crime judges that are just out of control and are feeding this system of lawlessness that we are all experiencing. It is outrageous and it is shameful. And yet, Never do we hear the White House, never do we hear President Joe Biden condemn these judges and these soft on crime DAs and say, you guys have to break this cycle and you have the ability to do it. Let these guys know if you do it once, you're going to get jail time. You don't do it seven times like this guy did and attacked another woman before this with a screwdriver and he was out. And then again, again for another one, he was out. Another one, he was out. And then here he is in this case, and he gets out without bail. I mean, this guy is like a poster child for criminals. And yet he is continuing to walk the streets. It is outrageous. And no wonder New Yorkers and others do not feel safe. And in recent polls, people were asked, do you feel safe in your city? Overwhelmingly, the answer was no. And that's not just happening in big cities across the country. It is happening all over the country. It is outrageous. And this has to stop. And that's why this November, I say this all the time, but I really believe this is a referendum on law enforcement in terms of supporting our police and supporting law and order. That's really the only thing that matters. Because guess what? If you don't feel safe, like you can't ride a subway, you can't walk down the street in your city, or your town, nothing else matters. And that's why having a candidate and somebody in office who understands that, who from day one is going to get rid of a particular person who's soft on crime and who's going to push those policies, that is key. Here is Ainsley Earhart on Fox News earlier today, basically saying how bad things are in New York and how soft on crime these prosecutors are. You basically have to murder someone to get arrested and stay behind bars in New York. I mean, we even saw the guy who's trying to protect his bodega 
And we saw what happened to him. He's murder charges. And when everyone in the media and everyone in New York starts to push Alvin Bragg, then he changes his mind and he drops the charges. But that's what it took. How many other people are out there that the media doesn't know about that are, are getting charges with murder because they defended their business? Yeah. How many others are out there? And they are just trying to do the right thing, like that bodega owner, just good, honest citizens, just trying to do the right thing. And yet the system is failing them. And many people in the Democratic Party in particular, led by George Soros and others, are failing them. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Eddie, line two. Eddie, your thoughts about all this? Go ahead, Ed. Oops, Ed, I lost you there. Uh, let's go to Al in Yonkers. Go ahead, Al. You know, uh, can you hear me? Yep, I hear you now. Sorry, we were okay, having a couple great. problems there. We're good now. Oh, no, that, that was, you know, I just wanted to say crime is rampant throughout the nation. We see a lot of these big, uh, big cities run by Democrats are really having a hard time. Uh, in New Orleans, it's gotten so bad that the uh, the good people, the good uh, residents of New Orleans, big and easy are looking to recall the mayor. The murder rate has gone sky high, and it's become the murder capital of the country. So uh, this is the trend uh, that's what's going on, and uh, it, it's, it's a terrible thing. Yeah, it sure is, Al. It is an absolutely abominable thing. And just what you said, it's happening across the country. What, what do you attribute most of all this to, Al? I think a lot I I attribute to uh, soft-on-crime politicians. I attribute it to the president sending the wrong signal throughout the nation that he's really not on the side of law and order like uh, his predecessor was Donald Trump. So I think a lot of it starts at the top, and I I attribute a lot of this to uh, President Biden. Yeah, I do too, and I agree with you that right now – Things are just so open door for him. And the fact that they don't even concede it, that's another issue, too. It's like, you know, it's like if you have a problem, if you're an alcoholic and if you don't admit that you got a problem, well, guess what? How are you going to fix the problem? You're never going to fix the problem. You know, if your issue is something that is so, you know, pervasive and so blatant that everybody sees it, like somebody who's like drunk at the party, but then the drunk says to you, oh, no, 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 I don't have a drinking problem. Well, they're never going to get fixed if they don't even concede that they have any issues whatsoever. And that is going to be a major, major problem. Um, you know, first you got to say, hey, this is an issue. And then next you got to say, how do we address it? But they don't even want to concede that there are soft and crime DAs. They're ignoring it. Like, and in fact, what they're doing is the opposite. It's almost like this deflection technique um, that we're seeing on so many levels. Like if somebody says, hey, what's your solution to crime? Well, our solution is get the guns off the street. That's what his solution is. They don't say that the solution to crime is to make more punishment for the criminals. They don't even want to talk about that. All they want to talk about is like criminal justice reform and making it easier for the criminal. But let's get rid of the guns, even from the legal gun owners. I mean, how is that a solution? It is not a solution, clearly, guys. And, you know, they are just, they're pointing the finger in the wrong direction and they need to start looking in the mirror. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Walk this way, just come in the door and go out because that's what's happening before judges with repeat offenders. It's like, oh, enjoy your day, sir. Just keep on going. Walk this way. Walk out. And that seems to be part of the revolving door. Don't you love how I play off the lyrics? I try to every time if I can. But it is not a happy sight when you look at crime in America. And this is what Ainsley Earhart, one of the hosts, of course, on Fox and Friends, said earlier today about this revolving door and what is to blame. We coddle these criminals. What do we expect? When the Democrats say no bail, when they say defund, dismantle, when they say reimagine, when they say release these violent criminals, we are coddling them. And that teaches them that you can go into a store, a Wawa, do whatever you want, and you're never going to be pressed. Charges are never going to be pressed against you. Look in California, San Francisco. We saw all those beautiful stores that are robbed, and they walk out. As long as they don't take $1,000 worth, they're free. It is a scary situation. And she said crime is so pervasive, it sadly uh, may start affecting many more Americans. And that's when she believes even Democrats will start complaining. Take a listen. What about the, the, the boy who, who died who was run over by the car because he was allegedly because he was a Republican? The mom and dad had to bury him, and they said, we will miss you every single day. And the guy is walking the street who does this. You know, this is what we hear time and time again. And one day it's going to be your child or our children, that's and that's okay. what I worry about. We live in New York City. I have to think about that when I go outside with my six-year-old. Yeah, how scary is that? In major cities across America, that is what is going on. Let's go uh, Let's go to line five. Let's go to Jeff. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts about all this. Hi, Rita. Thanks for taking my call. You know, I watched that video, and it's disturbing, because then you watch them interview Ms. Gomez. I was choked up because that's somebody's daughter. And then I'm like, this poor girl, and her husband was on the air. This poor guy's mortified. They just beat his wife. How do you beat somebody like that? I don't understand. And and you by know, the way, Jeff, you're, a- Jeff, you're talking about the woman who was attacked right on the subway, yeah, right? Oh, it's horrible. To, yes, uh. yes, Rita. She was going to work in Jamaica. She was go. I think she was going out to the airport. So she got off the subway and she was going up to the air tram to take the air tram to JFK. Now, if you know anything about that area at night, it, that, that's the worst neighborhood in Queens. The Jamaica station right there is absolutely the worst. Now, here I am pro-cop. I'm for all the cops. But there wasn't one cop up there in that bad neighborhood at night that that poor girl had to get beat. And then the poor dude that went to intervene, he walked away. You know, I would love to have Bo Deedle or Curtis come around the corner and pummel the living hell out of that guy. That would have been perfect. You know, I wish I was a tough guy because I'd go stand out there and, and look out for people. But... You know, you can't be a one-man army. No, but but I do wish he could have done something. I, I, You know, you bring up a great point, Jeff, because I have, you know, 
apparently the guy kind of warded the guy, the attacker, scared off the, you know, the the other guy who tried to intervene and chased him away. I guess my question is, and I don't know the answer, did he finally go get help or what did he do? I hope he didn't just walk away and then leave it at that. Um, it is a hard situation, but I wish he had intervened a little bit more, even though it might have been extremely dangerous for him. But but you you brought up the most important point. Why are there not police officers in bad areas? And unfortunately, almost every area, sadly, is a bad area. That's part of the problem, that there's so many areas that are so bad in almost every major city in this country. And that's why we need more law enforcement, not less, compared to these, you know, these loony kazoonies like on the squad who are out there saying, oh, we got to cut off uh, police. We got to, you know, defund. It's overreaching. It's this. Are you kidding me? There are nuts like this homeless guy who never should have been walking the street to begin with. That's the other thing. You look at this guy's track record. He had seven prior arrests, including bus for assaulting a woman with a screwdriver. I mean, clearly the writing was on the wall that this guy was a menace to society. And at some point, these bleeding hearts that sit there and say, oh, we got to give somebody a chance. What about this woman? Who deserved to have a chance and suddenly she just gets attacked by a guy who was bothering her, a homeless guy? That's like sadly almost every single minute in New York. There are so many homeless people in major cities across this country and Democrats got to realize it's time to get tough. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great men and women in law enforcement. A powerful story coming from Geneva, Illinois, where police officers there were recognized by the chief and others for responding to a call about a person who was suicidal and missing. Officer Bob Peck, who was serving as a detective at the time, had a connection with the family They reached out to him and asked if there was anything that they could do because anyone who knows Detective Peck knows that he is thorough at what he does, says the chief. While on the scene, Officer Peck began to draw maps and use different investigative techniques to try to figure out where this person might be. Another officer, Officer Jardee, was working that night and the two worked together on this. Through their work, the missing person was found in a nearby park, The car that that person was in was locked, and the person was unconscious and unresponsive. Sergeant Jardee forced entry into the car, removed the victim from the car into the parking lot, and provided first aid to the victim. The victim had stopped breathing, and he continued to provide CPR and further first aid until paramedics arrived to provide an advanced level of care. And due to their intervention, these two officers helped save this person's life. The person survived, was treated, and released from the hospital. And the police chief said, as we all know, in these critical medical incidents, timing is everything, and so is training. And he thanked these two great officers for such initiative and thorough work. They were able to track down the individual and save that person's life. It just shows how difficult and how emotional and how tough often the job is for our law enforcement and how we need more of them, as we've been talking about here on the show, because of rising, skyrocketing crime rates across this country. 
Well, we were talking about the number of small businesses that are experiencing shoplifting. It's an interesting number because it just came out from U.S. Chamber of Commerce. 56% of small businesses have been victims of shoplifting this year. And this is what the head of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce said earlier today about these types of crime. Our friends at the National Retail Federation just did a survey. 82% of retailers say just in the last year, these crimes have gotten more pervasive and more aggressive and more violent. Right here in D.C., the Starbucks at Union Station closed because they couldn't keep their employees safe. I mean, I don't know why we're not demanding more action on this. Absolutely. And case in point, a case that happened in like Philadelphia area in one of the suburbs there. Uh, this happened over the weekend. About a hundred teens suddenly swarmed onto a Wawa convenience store. They left a nearby skating rink. Then they ran into the store. It's one of those flash mob scenes. The video is amazing. You see them like taking everything off the racks, toppling everything, destroying the property. Uh, luckily nobody was hurt. But the damage was severe. And how is that Wawa business going to be able to continue? And guess what? Listen to what the head of the Chamber of Commerce has to say about those who perpetrated this crime on this innocent business owner. Take a listen to this one. Not one of those kids was arrested. The not police a showed up. One. Not, one not a single kids. one. You're right about no, that. Not a single one. And, you know, we're hearing about it all over the country, right? This is a crime that is impacting small businesses. We just had a poll. More than 50% of small businesses have been a victim of shoplifting this year. Chambers of commerce across the country are increasingly saying crime is their top issue. And of course, of course, large retailers are seeing brazen organized retail criminals come in with a shopping cart and a calculator just to stay right under the limit of becoming a Felon. I mean, it's it's outrageous. It's hurting businesses. You mentioned it's hurting consumers and prices and whole communities as some of these shops close down. And that's because as she was talking about she knows. And guess what? The perpetrators know they look at the news. They look at the headlines. They see what the D.A.s are doing. They've had other buddies who've gone before similar district attorneys and judges. And so they see, OK, gosh, if I can take less than a thousand bucks then it's not considered basically a crime and we'll just get a slap on the wrist. And you heard just what the head of the Chamber of Commerce said, that now there are 40 states that are increasing their threshold to create something being a crime. Isn't that amazing? 40 states are not getting tougher on criminals. They're getting more lenient on criminals at a height and a time where crime is skyrocketing. And we were talking about this horrible case also in New York City where a homeless man pummels a female rider on the subway. Here she is. It's 5 in the morning. She's on a train. The homeless guy kind of bothers her. She ignores him. Then she gets off the train, and he throws her against the wall and then topples her and starts punching and kicking her on the ground to the point where now there are reports that she could potentially lose her eye. I mean, the video is horrific. You're seeing this woman just getting pummeled over and over again by this vagrant who, of course, has a criminal history. I mean, it's amazing. In fact, one of the things in this guy's background, this Waheed Foster, uh, 41 years old, who, by the way, is out without bail. Well, thank you, New York City uh, DAs, right? He was arrested in 2010 for stabbing a 50-year-old woman in the cheek and shoulder. 
Uh, he was he had seven busts prior to this, including assaulting a woman with a screwdriver. And this guy's walking free. I, I mean, what are we doing? What kind of destruction of America are we creating when you have DAs and other people who are not saying after one of these attacks, lock him up? Why should the rest of society have to suffer? Why should this beautiful woman who's just going to work suddenly get pummeled by this guy? And now she may lose an eye as a result of it. Boy, Democrats need a wake up call. And these soft on crime DAs really need to get tough. They need oversight. They need people above them who can say, if you don't do X, you will no longer be working in that position. Why is that like something special to ask for? That should be basic. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joe on line one. Joe, your thoughts. Yeah. My thoughts are that, I'll tell you, Rita, this is really, really sick. America is being destroyed. You know, there are evil people that want to see this country go down, and that's just what they're doing. If you show the criminal out there that there's there's a a punishment, he's not going to do the crime. He's not going to do it. And these judges and these other people in authority, they're, they're bad. They're very evil as far as I could see it. Letting these people go like this, where's their mind? What's wrong with them? A normal mind would say, look, Johnny, you, got, you did the crime. You've got to do the time. And that's it. There's no, there's no other way of looking at this. This is really, out, like you always say, outrageous. Yeah, and why are people not, you know, it's amazing, and I'm I'm all for peaceful protests, but making your voice heard. Um, I don't understand why there are not some protests outside some of these judges' offices, outside some of the courthouses. You know, like, what are you doing? You know, uh, judge so-and-so, how could you let so-and-so walk free? You know, how could you let, you know, XXXXX happen? Um, you know, just so they know that there has to be some accountability, that people are watching and there are real victims, and I think especially the victims of these crimes should demand a meeting with some of these DAs and to say, how could you let this happen? And there needs to be some outspoken nature or vote them out. The problem is a number of them, there will be a while until they could get voted out, um, but at least to speak out because they need to know that there are repercussions to crimes. They can't just let people walk free and not realize that these monsters are not going to do it over and over again. I mean, there are these recidivists that just keep happening over and over again. You think a homeless guy, a vagrant, a homeless guy who doesn't get. And and clearly what's happened is the judge looks at these cases and says, oh, this guy doesn't have any money. So we want to take that into account. We don't want to be cruel to him. We want to be kind and we want to make sure that he just gets a little bit of a, you know, maybe something on his record, but just a minor whatever. But we don't want to lock him up because he doesn't have any money. To get out. Well, I'm sorry. If you if you attack somebody as this guy did, he never should see the light of day. I, I say it's time to get super tough. I would triple his bail as opposed to give him zero bail. What about you, Joe? What are your thoughts on that, Joe? Well, I'll tell you. This is what you got to do. It's time for protest. No more fooling around. People got to go down out in the streets now. Get a hold of these characters and let them know what they're doing. They got to go down to Washington. And let them be let them be heard too. They got to speak up out there and start protesting. Close that border. 
what's going on in this country. You're destroying our country. Embarrass these po- politicians. That's what they got to start doing. Yeah, because you yeah. can't let these people out without repercussions. I 1,000% right. agree with you, my friend. Right. Thank you, Joe. Thanks so much. Let's go to Norman, line three. Norm, your thoughts about all this. Hi, Rita. Yeah, that's all fine what he just said, but what if the media absolutely ignores it, which is what they do? Uh, the media elites, you will not read about the bail reform problem. You will not read, you will not see this on any of the network television, uh, nightly news, anything that you're talking about. Although, let me, um, let me dispute one thing though, Norm, and, and I will get you, I'll get you, I'll get you to reply though, Norm. Um, but I actually disagree if there were big protests, if it was something that was so visible, you know, outside the, I don't believe in going to people's homes. I'm not into any of that. I've, I've spoken out. I hated when I saw that happen when people were upset and they, on the flip side, they went in front of the judge's offices and the judge's homes. Um, that I think is off limits. The kids, I mean, that's off limits, of course. But if you see these big protests and they're quite significant in front of a courthouse or they're in front of, you know, Washington, in front of your member of Congress, in front of Capitol Hill, I actually think the media would be forced to cover it if it was significant enough. That's that's I actually think if it's so big, they might have to cover it. Norm, what are your thoughts about that? What do you think on this? Two things. Number one, I don't think that that's true because I have taken part in, oh, uh, I haven't for a few weeks, but uh, two times a week for the last two years, anti-mandate rallies where we had sometimes three, four thousand people. Um, in front of City Hall, and basically the mainstream media absolutely ignored us. Meanwhile, five people from BLM go through uh, some parts of Maspeth, Queens, okay, and boom, they were on every every news network. That's my first example. My second example is I saw something this morning. Uh, this morning I was at a press conference for Congresswoman uh, Nicole Maliotakis, and she was talking exactly about the things that you're talking about, about the problem with no with the no cash bail, with the increase of crime. Okay, every network was there from what I could see. There was uh, CBS, NBC. I didn't see NBC, but CBS, ABC, Fox. Okay, and uh, um, and Channel 11 with a PIX. I, so anyway, so I'm all excited because I'm standing behind Nicole, and uh, I figured, oh, I'm going to be on television. And they asked her questions. She had a rather nice press conference. Anyway, I came home, and lo and behold, I'm channel surfing, and nothing. Uh, I'm seeing racial equity. I'm seeing climate justice. I'm seeing more things about COVID. Okay, uh, I see two. I see two things on crime. Okay, on uh, you know two criminals. Uh, but what, but Nicole was giving, uh, was critical of Governor Hochul. And apparently that's a big no-no to the, you know, the upper, you know, upper echelon of the people that own the, own the media. Wow. So, so, so your point, Norm, is that they came, but it was just very superficial and didn't want right. to put anything on. You think like their bosses went back and said, right. oh, we can't criticize a Democrat. Exactly. Or they're going to use it as a soundbite in the future to show what an extremist she is or whatever. You know, they're going to cut it or, you know, I, I just, you know, I have grown for over the last three years incredibly mistrusting of our media. Uh, it, you know, I mean, to me, it's as bad as uh, as uh, Pravda. No, okay. I, I mean, and by the way, Norm, I hear you because I because I do think there is clearly a double standard and clearly a disparity. 
on the flip side, I do think that, you know, they're starting to see how bad crime is. They they were forced mm-hmm. to cover the border, by the way, and and that's because the border governors were sending people to New York City, you know. Uh, even if even if it was you know to be critical of them, they at least were covering the story, you know. At least at least it opened the door to the discussion, which you and I have talked about before, about which I think is a huge issue. This open border, and many Americans do, but I also think Norm, depending where things go in November, too, especially. If there is a resounding message that comes in November, I think that that will also change a lot of things. Um, because you look in some communities across the country where things have turned. Um, look at Myra Flores in Texas, uh, Nassau County in New York. Um, crime was definitely on the ballot on both of those, and those turned to Republicans. So I think, um, you know, vote talks. So let's see what happens in November. That could have a tremendous impact. But I, I absolutely hear what you're saying because, yes, the media is clearly biased. On the flip side, I think that um, there is power in numbers, and especially if suddenly the things turn around of the voting booth, uh, you may be surprised. Now suddenly then the Democrats will have an epiphany about, oh, we've got to fight crime, you know. Surprise, surprise, you know. Sadly, it may take that for that to uh, to change with them. Thank you. Let's go to Linda. Line two. Linda, your thoughts. Well, my thought is, is there anyone in prison or jail in New York? <laughs> That's a good point. You're right, because there's, there's a few, but not that many. Not as many as I think should be, believe me. Well, I'll tell you something. I listen to you every night. I'm in Canada. I'm in Oxford Mills, a small community. We've had one murder in five years. Wow. And the murder was in a, a, a health unit, you know, somebody that was not well. Now, what do you attribute the low crime to? Because sadly, we we in America are jealous of you. So go ahead. Well, you know, I, I can't attribute it to our, our prime minister because he's like your president, which I, I can't understand how anybody would have voted him in and not Trump. So what do you attribute it to? Because you're right, your your prime minister uh, soft uh, soft on many crime, and also was tough on the truckers. You know that that whole trucking thing, boy, he was like tougher. He was vilifying the truckers left and right. Um, well, what so, what do you attribute? Is it the smallness of the town, or or what do you, you know, attribute it to? We're not that small. I mean, we're forty kilometers from the capital. Uh, you know, it's not like we're uh, way out in the country, but. I think just the, the the Canadians are just not violent, and uh, that's. I, I mean, I went to New York years ago, and it was lovely. I had the best time of my life, and now I wouldn't even think a step foot there. You know what's uh, you know what's really sad, Linda, is you know I've had a lot of people say, "Oh, you know, I want to come to New York." I'm like, "Wait till things get better," for the well, same I reason could. you just said. And how sad is that that we're at that place um, that. Um, it is, it, it's a great city and I think it's a, you know, the greatest city in the world. I think, I mean, there's a lot of great cities in America, but I think New York there's at its best is great. Um, but right now it's sadly not at its best and that's because of crime and it is because of homelessness and so many of these issues that could be fixed and yet they're not getting fixed. And, and it shows the degradation of what happens to a society when things do not get attention. Real quick, Linda, I'll let you reply. Go ahead. 
it, it could be fixed if you put Trump back in because he would never stand for any of this. I'm telling you, I'm a Canadian. We love Trump. My brother was a Vietnam vet. He he spent two years over there, and he's a Trump fan. So just get him back. Well, you and may it, get you may get your wish in uh, in 2024, Linda. You may get your wish because it sounds like he's planning to run again. He hasn't officially announced, but he maybe he will soon after the midterms. Um, Linda, thank you very very much, and I agree. He is much more tough on law and order um, and had all the support of so many of the different police unions, all the police groups. They felt that he had their back. Um, They felt, you know, emboldened that they could go out and do arrests. I mean, all these things add to it. And if there were prosecutors who were soft on crime, he'd call them out. Um, And that's what needs to happen. Um, And boy, you've really spotlighted some issues of the contrast. And again, we're envious of you living in a much safer place, sadly. Uh, than New York and many cities across America. Linda, thank you very much. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. Well, I am jealous of our last caller who's in Ontario saying how beautiful things are there and no crime, basically. Um, a far contrast to almost every city in America. And things are so bad that the CEO of McDonald's, um, you know, one of the biggest companies by far in Chicago, was at an event the other day. This was last week. And this is how he described crime in Chicago. Take a listen. Everywhere I go, I'm confronted by the same question these days. What's going on in Chicago? There is a general sense out there that our city is in crisis. It's more difficult today for me to convince a promising McDonald's executive to relocate to Chicago from one of our other offices than it was just a few years ago. And Mayor Lori Lightfoot of Chicago, as opposed to saying, how can we fix things so we can incentivize businesses like McDonald's, like a major employer? Wouldn't you want to say, gosh, what can we do to make them safe? No, she criticized the CEO, basically said he doesn't know his facts. Listen to the way she responded, this ultra-liberal Chicago mayor. What would have been helpful is for the McDonald's CEO to educate himself um, before he spoke. That is the most ignorant comment I've ever heard. In other words, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Have you seen the crime numbers in Chicago? They are through the roof. 1-800-848-9222, um, Let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn, line eight. Go ahead, Jim, your thoughts. Yeah, I used to work with ex-convicts for several years. I supervised. I had murderers, pimps, drug dealers working for me. Uh, they're on work release. I wasn't a mafia don or anything. And I talked to them. I was able to talk to them and ask them questions. And they trusted me. They were pretty honest with me, like you wouldn't believe. And what did they anyway, say, Jim? Conclusion. 
if they had gotten stopped and taken care of early in their crime career when they first were starting, it might have prevented them from going on further. What the liberals are doing in this country now, they are promoting crime. And once you get a taste of crime and a success and you get something for free, you start now on a path where you a lot of these people end up being real bad criminals. That's a, by the way, Jim, Jim, that's a great point, and you know it firsthand from talking to them. I compare it, and I think you'd agree with me, Jim, to like a child who like puts her hand on a stove. And if the child gets burnt, maybe they're not going to put their hand on the stove again. But in the case of these criminals, they don't get burnt, so they just keep reoffending. Very interesting. We're going to continue with your calls after the break, everyone. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And if you thought our border was not a mess, you're gonna, after these new numbers that just came out, showing that unaccompanied minors under Joe Biden's tenure have peaked over 226,000. It's more than 140,000 this fiscal year alone. The year's not even over yet. And also that is just a crisis in the making, not only for the young people, but many of them also with criminal records. There are so many issues that are happening at our southern border. We're going to talk about that later on in the hour here on the show And get your take as more buses are coming to New York City and to other cities across America. And lots of sheriffs are speaking out and saying, you know what? Uh, They actually wanted to go to Martha's Vineyard. They actually wanted to go to New York City. They wanted to go to D.C. I don't know what the problem is. These are the people who are on the front lines. And they're saying it's not that big of a deal. And they're also saying bravo to Governor DeSantis and Governor Abbott for drawing attention to what is a obvious huge, huge problem in America. Meantime, we're also talking about crime in America because these numbers are stunning. And things are so bad that it, it, we'll get to it in a moment because Circle Back Saki made a big revelation over the weekend that everybody's talking about, the former White House press secretary, where she essentially admitted, yeah, crime is a huge problem. But first... Here is Peter Ducey, the Fox correspondent at the White House, asking Corinne Jean-Pierre, the current White House press secretary, basically saying, do you really think that cities across America, that they are safe? Uh, look at the crime numbers. It's through the roof. And take a listen to this dodge and weave by the current White House press secretary. Listen to this exchange just a few hours ago. Does President Biden think America's big cities are safe? Can you say more? Well, we know that thefts and robberies are up about 20% in the first half of this year, so I'm wondering if he thinks America's big cities are safe. Are you talking about the New York Times story specifically? Or yeah, is that what you're referring to? The murder rate still 30% above its 2019 level. They're all from the Council on Criminal Justice. So. Uh, We've seen some Mm high-profile examples of this. The uh, Washington commander's running back was being mugged. He got shot. Uh, Karen Bass, member of Congress, had her house robbed. These are high-profile people. So should 
everyday Americans who are not in the public eye feel safe. So I'll, I'll say this. Um, that same story also uh, stated that the crime is complicated and multifaceted. Uh, look, this is a president uh, who has secured historic funding uh, to make sure that uh, law enforcement has what it needs, uh, especially, and he was able to do this uh, in the face of opposition from Republicans. That is the most outrageous statement I have ever heard. This president has, has, you know, has secured historic funding for police after all the slamming and detrimental behavior of many people in the Democratic Party, including this president who said, oh, yeah, defund early on. Remember when he was campaigning? He had said it in a podcast. It's on video. You see it. There's clear as day. And then you got his vice president who was bailing out protesters, looters, criminals who were, like, destroying police stations and businesses and beating people on the head. She was bailing out people through the Minnesota Freedom Fund during the Summer of Love protests. You know, I I say facetiously because it was far from love. You know, and yet, oh, this president, they want us to believe that this president has, what, done more for law enforcement? And it's been in opposition to Republicans? Is there anybody out there that actually believes this? This is the most, I think... Unbelievable rhetoric. And again, I wonder, what is she on? Is she on some sort of drug? Because she's clearly not seeing reality, nor is this White House, if they believe even one second of that. And I don't think they do. I think they're just trying to do any kind of spiel that they can do uh, because they know it's an election year and they know that crime is a major issue. So Peter Ducey tried to push her even more. Now, listen to this exchange. This isn't a trick question. It's about crime. Do you see that crime is rising, that it's a huge issue? It's a, like, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Even a one-year-old could figure it out. But listen to the way the White House responded. During a time uh, where, uh, where he inherited a rising crime rate from the previous administration, the president put forth the American Rescue Plan. And in that very, in that very plan, uh, there was uh, more than $300 billion uh, to go to local uh, local states and local cities uh, to make sure that they were able to hire law enforcement, law officers. They were able to hire, um, you know, firefighters. They were able to hire people that were critical uh, to their needs as they were dealing with a pandemic. Republicans voted against that. So I guess just the original question, does President Biden think America's big cities are safe? It, it is not. It is not a um, it is not a yes or no question. It is very much a question of what has he done? That's how we see the question. She won't even answer. It's like, uh, let me tell you about the history of uh, who was our caller last week, 1912. You know, it's like, give us a straight answer. It's obvious that crime is high. It's skyrocketing throughout the country. You look at the numbers. It's very apparent. And yet, for some reason, they're treating it like it's some trick question, which is just unbelievable. Well, it's so bad that even the former White House press secretary, Jen Circleback-Saki, remember the one with the red hair, um, who was there at, for Joe Biden and defending Joe Biden's policies over and over again, now she's not getting paid by Joe Biden so she can be honest with the American public. She's on Meet the Press, and this is what she said over the weekend. She admitted crime is a huge issue, and it's going to be a huge issue for Democrats because people know Who has not been supporting our law enforcement? Who has been pushing back on getting tough on criminals? Who has been keeping that border wide open? 
Take a listen to what Circle Back Jen Psaki had to say. They also know that crime is a huge vulnerability for Democrats. I would say one of the biggest vulnerabilities. And if you look at Pennsylvania, for example, what's been interesting to me is it's always you follow the money and where are people spending money. And in Pennsylvania, the Republicans have been spending millions of dollars on the air on crime ads against Fetterman because that's where they see his vulnerability. So, yes, the economy is hanging over everything. But you do have to look at state by state factors. And crime is a huge issue in the Pennsylvania race. Crime is a huge issue. And then she said a stunning admission, something that I think we all know, uh, but that many people in the Democratic Party will not concede. Take a listen to what she said about her former boss, President Biden, and the impact that he's having, the detrimental impact that she believes he's having on the midterm elections coming up in November. I think that Democrats, if the election is about uh, who is the most extreme, um, as we saw, you know, Kevin McCarthy touch on there with Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'll say her name, sitting over his left side, then they're going to win. If it is a referendum on the president, they will lose. And they know that. If it's a referendum on Joe Biden, they will lose. Coming from his former White House press secretary, his former spokesperson, that's a stunning admission. But she is speaking about reality, because if you look at some of the latest numbers in some of the new polls, Joe Biden's approval rating, it went up just a tiny bit recently. It's gone way back down again. And now it is under 40 percent. It's at 39 percent. And if you look at some of the latest polls, again, it's economy, it's inflation, it's crime, it's border. And many people are saying that this White House, this party seems completely out of touch. And in fact, so much so, this is interesting, 35% of a group um, that was asked, essentially, would you want to see a replacement for Joe Biden as the 2024 nominee? And it's not certain he's going to run. Remember on 60 Minutes recently, he was like, oh, that remains to be seen. He was being honest, I think. You know, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to run again or not, or if they're going to let me run again. I think that's what he was basically insinuating on 60 Minutes recently. Well, now a new poll by ABC that just came out essentially says of Democrats, and of Democratic-leaning independents in a poll that they did. And they're not exactly like conservative media, if you will. This is Washington Post ABC News poll. Only 35% said they would prefer Biden for the nomination. 56% say that the Democratic Party should pick somebody else, not even saying who it is, anybody but Joe, basically. And so to Jen Psaki's point, that that is why the Democrats are so hard charging, trying to go after Donald Trump and anything that they can try to, like, deflect from crime, anything that they can do to deflect from the border, anything that are real issues. Things are so ugly. And I think they're going to get uglier between now and Election Day in November. Uh, take a listen to what Hillary Clinton said last week, comparing Trump and his supporters to Hitler. This is outrageous. Take a listen. I remember as a as a young student, you know, trying to figure out how did people get basically um, drawn in by Hitler? How did that happen? And I'd watch newsreels and I'd see this guy standing up there ranting and raving and people shouting and raising their arms. I thought, what's happened to these people? Why did they believe that? You saw the rally in Ohio the other night. Trump is there ranting and raving for uh, more than an hour, 
And you have these rows of young men with their arms raised. I thought, what is going on? So there is a uh, real pressure, and I think, I think it is fair to say we're in a struggle between democracy and autocracy. Wow. Like Hitler versus not Hitler, sort of how Hillary Clinton's phrasing it. I mean, to me, anytime you start invoking Hitler, which, first of all, is so outrageous, and it's such a, you know, disgusting exaggeration of Trump at a rally, that to me is so inappropriate. It's, it's shameful. It just shows how desperate and how dirty and how ugly things are going to get because they know that if they can try to, like, make Trump the topic and take the focus, anything but talk about crime, anything but talk about border, uh, anything about talk and don't talk about these soft on crime DAs or our criminal justice reform or any of these things, uh, they're trying to do anything they can from deflecting. Oh, what what bad economy? What do you mean? Um, I mean, I think they think that we're all stupid and we don't see what's right in front of us and what our wallets feel every single day. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Christopher in Vermont on line one. Christopher, your thoughts about this? Yes, uh, Rita. God, I'm, I absolutely adore your voice. is just absolutely so delightful. I can't imagine that woman in Canada being a Trudeau fan and a Trump fan. Uh, that That's uh, kind of a dichotomous. Actually, actually, she was not a Trudeau fan. She was pointing out that, that many people are there, but she said that she was not. Uh, she sounded like she oh, very okay. much, yeah, yeah, no, I wanted to I, clarify I that. I yeah, yeah she's, she you know, was talking I, about I the fact that idea, he's still in office. I had an idea about this uh, these these DAs, these prosecutors who will let these people out of jail without any bail or anything else, why aren't they charged with uh, accessories after the fact when these uh, criminals that they let back into society and then they go and do criminal deeds, why aren't these uh, prosecutors and DAs, why aren't they charged with accessories? Well, you know, it's an interesting point. Obviously, it's a little difficult because they are public officials and they're not the ones obviously committing the crime. The other ones are. But I hear what you're saying, that maybe there's some way to keep them accountable. Um, And especially when some of these cases are just so unbelievably blatant. I mean, to me, it is just unbelievably shocking when I see just a repeated pattern that anybody with half a brain if they saw some of these people come before them and you see that they're clearly a repeat offender. I mean, sometimes you don't know, but in most of these cases, it's like a blaring neon sign that this person is a menace to society and shouldn't be out and is a repeat offender and part of this enormous, enormous revolving door. And so to your point, I wish there was some way that we can hold them accountable um, maybe there's some sort of system in place or, or a track record. I would be curious, you know, I mean, what could be interesting and, and obviously we can't necessarily technically, what well, all you can do is vote them out. Um, but maybe there's some sort of system that could be out there. It'd be interesting if there's some sort of, uh, you know, a, a system that's tagged in. Okay. Well, this person let these 30 people out. So you really know exactly who is doing what on particular cases, what the decision was, you see the pattern, and you know who are the worst offenders with going soft on criminals. There should be some sort of way to keep track of it to the degree 
that we can hold them accountable. Um, and again, and I, the only way really is the voting booth. But that's an interesting point, Christopher, very, very much. Thank you very much, and I love your call. Let's go to Mike. Line two, Mike, your thoughts about all this. How you doing? Hey, Mike, we're losing you. Come close to the phone. Yeah, hello. You yep, there you are. Now we hear you great. Go ahead, Mike. Okay. I knew you were there, yeah. my friend. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah um, if we want our uh, state, to New York, to be as low, uh, low crime as Florida, Texas, and a lot of the Carolina states and many of the states that have concealing carries, they say that if you don't have a felony, you can receive a concealing carry. That's why these states don't have crime. So the one that's in charge of this is Governor Hochul. It's not the mayor. It's not nobody. It's not the DA's. We're going after the wrong people. Governor Hochul is laughing her butt off right now. We got to go after her and demand, if you don't have a felony, give the people a concealed carry so they could defend their lives, their families' lives, and everybody else. And there's another thing. They speak about uh, Hitler, right? Well, the uh, registration form that Hitler made people sign, to, he, he made them, is almost exactly the same as a registration uh, a firearms form that we, we fill out, okay? The reason why he made people fill this out was to find out who had uh, hunting rifles and duck guns and all that so he could go confiscate them. So Hillary and the rest of the Democrats, they are the ones that want to confiscate everybody's hunting guns and everything else so they could contr- take over the country, okay? And the ones like your father, Rita, God bless him, God, and rest his soul, and he's in heaven. He's the one, he's one of the guys that didn't surrender what he needed to defend himself and his his fellow uh, citizens. Uh, I don't know where he was from, but, you know, uh, you know, he was, he, he, he fought back. Thank you. Right, and, we- and, and Mike, thank you very much, because you're right. My dad was part of the Warsaw Uprising, and it is interesting getting back to Hitler, uh, because in the Hitler case, They were confiscating guns from everybody because they wanted people to be defenseless um, so they couldn't create the uprising and couldn't do that. Um, So, you know, they were cutting off food, water, uh, you know, religion, education, you name it, and especially weapons because they didn't want people to fight back. Um, Not that we should fight back now, um, but certainly we should have a right to defend ourselves, and I agree with you on that aspect. And I also think officials, legislators, need to do the right thing by law-abiding citizens. We're going to continue with your calls, 1-800-848-9222, and you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we are talking about Democrats deflecting the real issues are crime and the economy, and they don't want to talk about it. They're like, uh, what inflation? What crime? 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Stan. Line one. Stan, your thoughts about this. Hillary Clinton was absolutely correct. I told you about it last week. I mentioned it to you. You said I went low when I mentioned that situation. Well, well and, and and hang on, Stan. I just want to – you're talking about where she compares Trump to Hitler well, she and was supporters? Talking about, remember I told you about the rally? Yeah, no, I, 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 I by the you, way, I remember it's outrageous. Go ahead. It, it's an outrageous statement, Stan. No, it's not. No, it's not. It reminded me, it reminded me of the 1930s. 
and Nuremberg when the, they met together, Hitler and the people, and they saluted. How can you that say was that? That reminiscent Stan, of it. Stan, how if can you, you say that? Stan, I can't help you. Well, Stan, you know what? I can't help you if you have such Trump derangement syndrome that you would compare the former president of the United States to Hitler and that his supporters. I thought she was horrible when she called them a basket of deplorables. And now she's like, I mean, to compare him to uh, Hitler and the supporters of Hitler, it's outrageous. To me, it's disgusting. It's low of Hillary Clinton, and it's completely inappropriate. It is wrong, and it's not true, and it's an outrageous statement, Stan. Go ahead. It's reminiscent of the 1930s. By the way, on another radio show, I said exactly the same thing, and I was told if I called back to apologize for saying it. That's never going to happen. At least you know I've said it, and you've moved on. But on another show, I've been asked to apologize for what I said. Not in this life will I apologize. I made a a point of it reminded me of. It was reminiscent of a time. That's not that's censorship if you can't say what you think. You, you, by the way, and Stan, you know, I always allow you to say what you think. I'm not saying crazy yeah. stuff. I spoke perfect English when I made that. Well, and, and, and other people have said it, too. I 1,000 uh, percent disagree. I think it's shameful. I think it's disgusting. And I think Hillary Clinton is outrageous. It shows she is desperate and doesn't want to deal with the facts, just wants to smear President Trump. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing every night here on the show where we honor great veterans and, of course, also their families. A beautiful story coming from Owensboro, Kentucky, where a 98-year-old Army veteran was honored at a special ceremony Saturday morning in Owensboro to mark the recent award of the Congressional Gold Medal to the Ghost Army. The Ghost Army is the secret World War II unit that used creative deception to distract enemies on Europe battlefields. Army veteran Kenneth Miller was presented with a copy of the bill that was passed by Congress and signed by the president earlier this year. Now, Army veteran Kenneth Miller served in the radio deception arm of the 23rd Headquarters Special Troops, also known as the Ghost Army. The story of this unit was kept secret until after the war and only became declassified in 1996. The president of the Ghost Army Legacy Project said the Congressional Gold Medal Award is a long overdue recognition of the dangerous and heroic exploits of the Ghost Army, which is credited with saving thousands of lives during the war. And how beautiful that these guys, again, many of them now in their 90s, even some older uh, in 100, 102 um, that they are now being recognized for their incredible service during World War II. And we are talking, of course, about crime in America. So many problems in America, the border leaking like a sieve. Um, and yet it seems like the Democrats, all they want to do is smear. And later on this week, they're going to talk about January 6th. There's another January 6th hearing. I say it's like the uh, 6,904th edition of the January 6th committee coming right before, of course, the midterms. Because anything they could do to make the focus on Trump, make it on this, make it on that, they can't make it on the issues of this president. 
And a stunning admission came this weekend, none other from Jen Psaki, of course, the former White House press secretary who was there up until, you know, a little bit ago. She uh, left and now she's at NBC. So now there she is. And she was asked, you know, what do you think about the upcoming election? And this is an amazing admission because, remember, she's a lifelong Democrat, a diehard Democrat, and even she realizes that Biden is not doing a good job and that voters do not believe she's doing a good job. And that if November is about Joe Biden and his track record, which usually is the case, it's usually a referendum on the sitting president, even though he's not on the ballot, but obviously his party is, that the Democrats will lose. That is a stunning admission from someone who's a diehard Biden supporter. Take a listen again to what she said over the weekend. I think that Democrats, if the election is about uh, who is the most extreme, um, as we saw, you know, Kevin McCarthy touch on there with Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'll say her name, sitting over his left side, then they're going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, if it is a referendum on the president, they will lose. And they know that. And that could be why Democrats like Hillary Clinton, and by the way, don't counter out, Dick Morris has said that she might be running in 2024 because he doesn't think Joe Biden's going to be running in 2024. It could be a Hillary Clinton, could be even a Gavin Newsom. It sounds like he's trying to kind of position things as well. Well, take a listen to this smear by Hillary Clinton. I mean, I thought some of the things she has said before were unseemly, but nothing to me rises to this level. Take a listen to what she said about Trump and Trump supporters at a recent rally. I remember as a as a young student, you know, trying to figure out how did people get basically um, drawn in by Hitler? How did that happen? And I'd watch newsreels and I'd see this guy standing up there ranting and raving and people shouting and raising their arms. I thought, what's happened to these people? Why did they believe that? You saw the rally in Ohio the other night. Trump is there ranting and raving for uh, more than an hour and you have these rows of young men with their arms raised. I thought, what is going on? So there is a uh, real pressure, and I think I think it is fair to say we're in a struggle between democracy and autocracy. Wow. To me, that's unbelievable. I mean, to me, that is so disgusting and so low, and it just shows that the Democrats are trying anything to keep the focus on Trump, 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 MAGA, MAGA, MAGA bad, and not on the economy, crime, and so many things, because anything that can deflect from the reality that we're all experiencing uh, is going to help them, they believe. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Matt on line one. Matt, your thoughts about all this? Yeah, hi, Rita. First-time caller. I was just fasting when I heard the comments by your previous caller. Rita, I'm a former Democrat. I'm an immigrant from the Caribbean. And I, I, from my observation, the Democrat white liberals are responsible for killing the black community. It is, it is a benign destruction of the black family. They do not care about violence in the community. They do not care about education in the black community. They do not care about family cohesion. Why do you say and, that, Matt? Why do you believe that? Well, you know, I live in Queens and I see the I see the destruction. I see the crime. I hear it from my my friends. And um, obviously, for the last 50, 60 years or so, the Democrat 
politicians are the ones running the whole show the, on the, the local level. They're not doing anything constructive to help the black community. And unfortunately, a lot of the black leaders are falling in line uh, for this um, stupidity, this illogic, this anti-historical uh, scenario, as was echoed by Hillary Clinton. There is a lack of history. And obviously, they're trying to blame um, Trump. But you don't have to necessarily like Trump, but look at the constructive things he's done, especially in the area of economic zones. And this is what we have to look at. Right. And and by the way, Matt, that was one of the things I was thinking of, too, is that indeed, you know, he was big into helping, um, you know, inner cities and uh, big into helping um, African-American communities, Latinos communities. I mean, you could see that the income rose under him um, exceptionally in both of those groups. And to me, you know, I sometimes think, and I, I think you're inferring this too, that the Democrats take the African American vote for granted, and and African Americans, all different, all races, want their communities to be safe. You know, it's not a, it's not a, uh, you know, a black white issue. It's it's a, an Americans. We're all in this together, and they want their communities safe. They want their families to be safe. Um, they want their neighborhoods and businesses to be safe. And um, and you're right. I think often uh, politicians just sort of assume um, that certain votes will go to certain parties. And Trump sort of broke the mold on that. And you could tell that uh, the Democrats do not like it. But then they got to get off their butts and do something that will help uh, communities of all color because it's it's absolutely imperative. Um, Matt, thank you. Great call. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Let's go to uh, Manuela uh, from New Windsor. Go ahead, Manuela. Your thoughts. Hi there. Um, I have been listening to you uh, for quite a while, and tonight you've said so many things. I almost don't know which one to address. Um, that's but that's called, look. by the way, Manuela. That's called an action-packed show. That's what that's called. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. You always have one. Um, and so, like the caller before me, I'm uh, uh, an immigrated. Um, former like European immigrant come to Queens as a child with my immigrant parents. Um, And, uh, you know, as such, a lot of my friends always say to me, how come like you were an immigrant and I'm an American citizen now and I'm very proud of my country. And and except for where we're at right now, I'm almost horrified and and saddened at all the things I'm seeing. And, um, you know, part of with the whole flow over the border, I mean, back when my family came and we brought over some of my relatives, most of my life I lived here without any family, you had to sponsor family to come in. They had to wait in line. It took 12 years for my grandparents to be able to come and visit us for the first time. Um, anyone we brought here to visit, we had to sign documents that we would support them, that they would not be eligible for public aid or assistance. Where Where is your family from again? What What country? The, the former The former Yugoslavia, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Absolutely. No, no, no. I know it well. I actually was over in Belgrade and I was in Belgrade and in Kosovo. Uh, yeah, with the with you know the war, the 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 different uh, yep. conflicts that we had in the nineties, and you know it took. Um, a couple of years of tracking down my family back then, they were all in concentration camps, prison camps, refugee camps, and the slow process of bringing them here as refugees. And they were given loans to get their plane tickets, and they had to pay them back within six months, and we had to find them jobs, and they were eligible for nothing. Um, and so I don't know, I think it was in the 90s that the rules changed 
that if you come here and now, you know, illegally, they were coming in legally. They had to wait to be granted asylum to come. And then they were a ward of us. But, you know, these days, even if you come in illegally, you can apply for WIC. You can apply for all these services. By the way, you you are hitting it right on the head, Manuela, because um, my family, too, and I've talked about it. My family came over in 1956. They came over with 100 bucks. Uh, on the Queen Mary, and they did not become citizens, my parents, until five years later. And they had to have a sponsor, just like you said. They had to have a sponsor before they even stepped foot on the boat um, to say, okay, I verify them, I, you know, I trust them, I'll sponsor them to even come into the country back then. And it still took many years for them, too. You're right. And your family, too, and my goodness, after everything that they went through, and I've been over there, I know exactly um, you know, what was going on in the country there in the former Yugoslavia. Um, it was a very, very difficult time. And certainly they were fleeing a very difficult situation. And yet it took them, as you're talking about, like 10 years. Um, and now we're giving it away for free. Um, and I think it cheapens it. And I think it's unfair to people who worked hard, like your family and my family. And that's why I feel so strongly about it, too. Terrific points, Manuela. You know, because I think being an American's a gift. Um, and I think... You know, you want people to feel like they have to work for it, and you want the people, good people like your family, deserve to be in here. Um, and yet the people who are just kind of coming through and not even vetted, um, that to me is a whole other issue. Let's go to Steve um, in Jersey City, line one. Steve, your thoughts. Rita, I'd like to give a little rebuttal to Stanislaw. Hey, stock. go online and pull up videos of, Hit- of Hillary, I almost said Hitler, Hillary giving rallies with her right arm and hand extended in the air, just like Hitler, and hundreds in the crowd with their hands up in the air. And, Rita, the reason why I say hundreds is because that's all that shows up for Hillary's rallies, as opposed to Trump's with tens of thousands. And, by the way, hey, Stott, you're a schmuck. Steve, you think he's listening? I hope he's listening. He's probably listening. I got a feeling. But and you heard what I it was outrageous that that yeah. somebody would think that equating, you know, for Hillary to do that to me, it just shows she's desperate. It shows to me that the Democratic Party's desperate. The rhetoric Absolutely. from them is getting just more and more intense. And I, I call it yeah. the Darth Vader speech, you know, where well, where Biden mm-hmm. was speaking, Steve, remember, with the red lights and all that stuff? Right. Like, oh, God. That, yeah. It was despicable. And now Hillary's upping the ante with despicable comments. To me, it just shows that they're worried what's going to happen in November, and they're trying to do anything they can. It's like a oh, they're, desperate they're gonna measures. Get their, they're going to get their clocks cleaned come November 8th. Well, and that's, and, they, and they I think, I think it. they know it, and I think they know that they're very worried what's going to happen if the Republicans get the House and the House and the Senate potentially, um, and they're trying to do anything they can to cling on to power, and that doesn't, that means no name calling is off limits, um, clearly, okay. and that's sad, you know, it's a sad place to be when you start, you know, pulling out the, the worst, uh, dictator, one of the worst in history ever. Right. It's disgusting. You know, I, right. you know, I'm with you, Steve. Thank you very, very much. Thank and you, every, Rita. Thank you. And we've been talking, by the way, about uh, border, and we were just talking about the crisis at the border. And I want to play a comment from Kamala Harris, because everybody's still commenting about this. She did an interview recently. Now, more buses have been coming into New York City. Of course, we know about the 48 migrants, 4-8 total that came in to Martha's Vineyard. And then, of course, we know about the ones that came to other cities across the country, courtesy of DeSantis and also Governor Abbott. 
Well, Kamala Harris says, oh, this is terrible. Remember, they didn't say a word when all those secret flights were coming in. 900 secret flights basically happened across America in the last year and a half or so. Nobody said anything. The Democratic mayors, nobody said anything. Nobody was upset about it. Only the Republicans, when they blew the lid off of it, remember, they denied that it even happened. Well, Kamala Harris is now going crazy that a few buses showed up in New York and elsewhere. So take a listen to what she says is to blame. They're playing games. These are political stunts with real human beings who are fleeing harm. I mean, do you know what's happening in Venezuela right now? There were children, people being put on a bus or a plane, uh, who don't know where they're going or where they were being sent. Human beings, real people who have fled harm, who came to the United States of America seeking refuge, asylum. I think it is the height of irresponsibility, much less, frankly, a dereliction of duty when you are an elected leader to play those kinds of games with human life. And human beings, if you want, if you think there is a problem, be part of the solution. Yeah, let's go after the governors, DeSantis, and go after Abbott, but not go after President Biden. And she's the border czar. How despicable is that? And use the phrase a dereliction of duty. Don't you think maybe it's a dereliction of duty for the president to have never been to the border? Don't you think it's a dereliction of duty for the vice president to sit there and pass the buck and sit there with a straight face and say that the border is secure. This is outrageous. Let's go to Sharon uh, in New Jersey. Line two, Sharon, your thoughts. Yeah, hi. Okay, well, I just, this is not why I'm calling, but I just wanted to say, you know, while Hillary Clinton is trying to figure things out, you know, she said, I'm trying to figure out why, she ought to figure out all the dishonest things that she has done, okay, while she's sitting there figuring things out. But anyway, what I wanted to say was with the border, I mean, everybody is saying, well, why didn't she go down there? Why is he not going down there? Because they're purposely ignoring it because I have a whole nother plan for our country. You know that, you know, turn it into a socialist Marxist country. And they want to turn the immigrants into uh, into Democrats by 2000, by 2024. And that's why they're completely ignoring everything and why they're letting the crime go on and why they're having all these terrible things go on in the schools. They want to break up families, you know. Do whatever they can, you know, to break families up. And um, why did Scott Paley ask Biden about the biggest story of the day, you know, the immigrants and Martha's Vineyard? Why? Because, you know, the media is in cahoots with the uh, with the presidency. By the way, by the way, you are correct that I was really surprised that Scott Paley on 60 Minutes did not press Biden about that. Um, He asked him, are you going to run again? And remember, he said, well, that remains to be seen. But you're absolutely correct. He missed a key moment. I mean, if you've got the president in front of you, he should at least say, what did you think of the migrants? Do you really think the border? You're really going to tell me that the border is secure with a straight face, Mr. President. You honestly, let me tell you the numbers. Is there any way you could say that the border is secure? Now, you heard the president the other day. He said, oh, well, they're coming from these countries now where we can't turn them back. You know, they're coming from Venezuela and they're coming from Cuba and they're coming to play, you know, from places where there's tough, tough stuff and we can't turn them, them around, you know, um, which, by the way, some of them are coming from there, but a lot of them are coming from elsewhere. And even still, it doesn't mean that they should just get a free pass into America. Don't you think, Sharon? 
Yeah, oh, definitely. But don't you think that before Biden went on, that they spoke to Scott Kelly and found out what his questions were going to be and saying, no, you can't ask this. No, you can't ask that. And, of course, he would have said, yeah, you know, the media is in cahoots with it with them, so with the Democratic Party. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I don't know. I don't know if he actually agreed to questions. I don't know if 60 Minutes would have done that, but they might have said, here are the areas, you know, or please don't ask about this. Or maybe Scott Pelley doesn't think the border's a big deal. You know, that's a whole other issue, too. Uh, and that opens a whole can of worms about media bias. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We're talking about crime in America. Democrats are saying, what crime? What do you mean by that? And also we're talking about the border. They're like, no, it's secure. I think they think that we are just all stupid. I mean, it really is stunning. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Eddie. Uh, line four. Eddie, your thoughts about crime in the border? Hello, Rita. How are you? My sister, my Polish Danish sister, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing very well, my friend. I'm doing great. How you doing? You always say I love when you call. Please don't mute me. i got a lot to tell you. And you know what I am? I'm the mirror image of Stan. The border, the only thing that's secure, secure right now, Rita, is my front door. I locked it. My sister at 148 West 75th Street in Manhattan moved. Because they couldn't, they couldn't take it anymore. They they had to get out of Manhattan. Wow. Where uh, Rudy Giuliani had his son as he grew up, and I I, I want to ask you, what do you think about this, Rita? I I call it bizarre world. Yeah, this I do bizarre. too. I do too. It's like alternate universe. That oh, it's yeah. clear. It's clear there are so many people leaving Eddie from cities. Like New York and major cities across the country, they're all seeing. I mean, things are so bad, by the way, Eddie. You know, one of my, you know, one of the stories that I think encapsulates it is Gavin Newsom, who I think is probably going to try to run for president on the Democratic side, the governor. Things are so bad. By the way, his, um, you know, parents, his in-laws during COVID, they were so fed up with everything. They were in Florida. It turned out he didn't want to admit it, but they were in Florida. I mean, it's like. It's this alternate universe, but they don't want to admit it, Eddie. We have this great, this great liars, and somehow I think that you know maybe the aliens have taken over our government. You know, Joe Biden, he is a he's a vessel without a soul right now. He really is. And what you see and what you hear, Joe Piscopo, a friend of mine, who I should be in Venice right now because they went to Italy. <laughs> Something happened in my life. I couldn't get there. Joe said. He goes, you never know what we're going to wake up to tomorrow morning. It just gets, like, worse. It does. It just- no, I agree. I hear you. And I love Joe, too. He is so fantastic. Um, let's go to Ernesto, Jersey City. Ernesto, your thoughts? Okay, my thoughts are this. On uh, the border and immigration, sure, I understand these people are illegally here. But let's not get crazy about them being the, the perpetrators of crime. The native-born... Americans, look at what's happening in New York City. They're all Native Americans, you know? And they're, um, oh. What do you you make, Ernesto, of the hypocrites? The fact that the Democrats, they get 48 to Martha's Vineyard and they're going crazy. They are racist and hypocrites, and Martha's Vineyard proves that. 
they kicked out my 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 fellow uh, brothers and sisters, Latino brothers and sisters from there. No, that's an interesting point because, you know, they get 48 of them. They're upset. And I think it's good that Abbott and DeSantis are bringing attention. Anybody who's been at the border knows it is wide open and we got to do something. We got to do something to secure that border. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.